So good. Hey, welcome to everybody in the theater today. Uh, if you don't know me, if you're a guest, my name is pa- uh, Eric Matoya, Pastor Grove, and we're thrilled you're here. Uh, welcome to all those tuning online. Thanks for taking a moment to tune in with us. Uh, praying for you all week also. I've uh, had some great reports for all you in the theater that you're watching that uh, the last few weeks some people have been tuning in and that I didn't even know they were tuning in, but just uh, got word that they've been watching. And it's so cool just to know that we have that opportunity for them to, to just be with us even when they can't be here uh, physically. They can tune in either today or during the week and just catch up with what we're, what we're doing. So welcome all you guys. Uh, we're in a series that's called How to Live Through a Bad Day. And so this is week four. And so if you, this is your first time here, I want to say welcome to the Grove. Uh, you're coming in towards the middle of the conversation. This series will take us all the way to Easter. And um, it's really built around the seven phrases that Jesus said while he was on the cross. Some theologians call it the, the, the final words of Jesus. But we know that the cross was not the end of Jesus, right? He died, and that's why we celebrate Easter. He, was, he rose again on the third day, on that Sunday morning. They went to find him in the tomb, and he was gone. Uh, so then he comes back, and he's with the disciples, and he says a lot more. And so it's not his final words. These are just his final words while he was on the cross. And we, we, we learn from him in every, everything of our life. That's what we, Christians are called Christians because they're trying to be like Christ. They're Christ followers. They're people that are wanting to see the example Christ sets and the teachings he gives, and we follow that out. And so what better way than for us to learn how to live through a bad day than to, to um, see how he, Jesus lived through, through the bad day. And so today we're uh, going to walk through the fourth principle. And so here's the verse that's holding this all together that we um, kind of take the idea from and, and walk it out. So in Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, uh, the, the author of Hebrews says, Keep your eye on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we're in. So he, bet, he, he started it, but he also finished this race. And he finished strong. It says, Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. The, that exhilarating finish in and with God he could put up with anything along the way, whatever came his way, the cross, the shame, or whatever came his way. And now he's there in place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging your face, if you find yourself struggling in faith, struggling with questions that come along, it says, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he went through, that he plowed through. And that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So the, the writer is saying, hey, pay attention to Jesus. Watch how he did it. And whenever you're struggling, it'll give you some hope to know how you can live through a bad day that when you find yourself. And we know that Jesus' bad day, uh, our, my bad day doesn't compare at all to his bad day. Uh, we call it Good Friday, uh, but make no mistake, for him it was not a Good Friday. It was a terrible uh, day. It was a bad day. Um, but we call it good because of the results it produced, right? And I think in the middle of it, he didn't um, focus on the bad. He looked at other things like we've been, we've been studying. And so even though... You know, start Thursday night is when his bad day started. He got arrested illegally, tried illegally, uh, was betrayed. All of that that we talked to the first few weeks, and then every moment of that day began to get it became worse and worse. And so the first lesson we heard him, the first words, as soon as they put him on the cross, he's nailed to the cross. The cross drops. The first thing he we see that he says is this: He says, "Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing." And we said, if we're going to live through a bad day, we need to watch his example. And the first thing is we need to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin our lives. The second thing is when he has, uh, he's, he's on the cross with two thieves, and one is mocking him, and the other one says, um, you know, God, remember me. And he says, today I'm going to remember you. You'll be with me in paradise. And the second lesson is that we need to help others who are also experiencing our same struggle, uh, those that have gone through similar struggles or, or, or in the middle of a struggle. When we're having a bad day, but we reach out to help others, uh, there's a lot of positive things that happen with that that we talked about. And then last week, we said, for lesson three, we said, be sure you've taken care of those near you. And we saw the story of him passing on his responsibility as an eldest son to his, his disciple, John, and saying, John, take care of my mom, right? Mom, this is your son. 
John, this is your mom. And from then on, he passed on the responsibility. And we said we have to make sure that we do that. We have to be aware, know the time, uh, be present, and give your best. And one of the things we said is because success, the way uh, one, one guy said, defined it was when those closest to you think the most of you. That's what success really is. Uh, so at the end of the day, when you when you're, um, have lived a long life and you're looking back over it, those that are closest to you are the ones who think the most of you. They want to be around you. That's truly what success is. It's not how much money you made. It's not the house that you live in. All of that can go away. You can still be successful when those look around you and say, man, I'm proud of the person you've become. I'm proud of the life you've lived. That is really what true success is. And so we said, don't, don't, don't ever forget to take care of those that are closest to you. And we said, uh, give your best to those that are closest to you, not your leftovers. And that takes intentionality. Nobody gives their best on accident, right? Like nobody shows up to work and just has an amazing day on accident. If you have an amazing day or you work really hard because you set out to do that, um, when you have a really good conversation with somebody, those things don't happen on, on, on accident when you give your life to, to show it's a, it's a plan, it's intentionality. So that was last week. Uh, so if you missed those, you can go catch up. And now we're going to jump into the fourth statement that he made. And it's found in Matthew twenty seven forty six. Uh, the fourth statement is this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And let me set this up for you a little bit, all right? So in, in this moment, God, Jesus is talking to God, and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, it says in, in the book of Matthew that at noon, the sky turns black and it gets dark, right? So in darkness, uh, in the Bible, darkness and light, there's always a contrast between the two. And when it talks about darkness, a lot of times it talks about living outside of God's plan. So you're outside of his light. You're outside of what he has for you. So when you find yourself in darkness, it's usually not a good situation, um, when, when it talks about dark and light. And so in this moment, when it should have been the brightest time of day at noon, it becomes the darkest time of day. Um, and in that darkness, it says that he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, in, in the Old Testament, there's um, um, moments where uh, Jesus, God is comparing people living in darkness um, to living in a, a season where they just... They don't know what's going on. Almost like you can, you can say a depression, uh, a deep darkness would be like um, a season where uh, nothing is going right. You're, just, you're feeling all of that darkness. You're feeling hopeless. Um, you're stumbling over things, right? And this, the Bible says sin always leads to these seasons and these moments when we don't follow God's ways. We can find ourselves in these dark moments. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily sin either. Just things happen in life that, that bring um, troubles and, and, and depression and, and those moments of just feeling down, right? And so in this moment, the picture I get is as, as the sky turns dark, it's, it's almost in the middle of, of, of his bad day, it gets worse, right? His dad, bad day keeps going from, from bad to worse. And uh, in this moment when it's darkest, he cries out and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's the first time that we see Jesus. He's taking care of others. He's in his bad day. He's doing these. But at this moment, he feels abandoned. He feels alone. And, and what does he do? He calls out to God. And so for our fourth lesson, this is uh, what we what I want to say is, uh, for, for the fourth one is, aim your hard questions at God, not at man. Uh, so in these moments, the first three lessons, he's, he's concerned with others around him. But in the moment where he's saying, all right, I'm struggling here, um, and the Bible says the reason is because he felt all of the, the weight and all the pressure and all the sin and all the sickness that we carry, right? That was the purpose, purpose he died on the cross. So in this moment, he's feeling it all. And it says because of the sin that he was taking on our behalf, uh, essentially God, yeah, could not accept him. He's not, he, he was, he was, he was um, taking on our punishment. And it says he, he, at this moment he felt abandoned. Well, what's interesting about his, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is he's actually quoting Psalm 22. Um, so the prophet um, uh, it's, a, it's a prophecy. That whole psalm is, is one of the longest prophecies about the cross. 
So if you go read Psalms 22, you're going to see that the first statement that is made is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the psalmist is writing, David's writing and saying, uh, he's in a season also of darkness, right? So he's in a moment of maybe depression himself. And the psalmist is writing this song of saying, God, um, in the middle of what I'm feeling down, I'm calling out to you. And, and he talks about the cross. In the psalm, it mentions a lot of things about the cross. But essentially, um, David is comparing his, his struggle um, to a season that's dark, a season that's difficult. So when Jesus uh, calls out, when he, when he makes a statement, he's quoting an Old Testament. So he's pointing to that. He stops there, but if you continue to read, you'll see that in that psalm, it's somebody who is saying, all right, in the middle of my bad day, I'm calling out to you, God, because I need your help. And it was a very honest uh, song, a, a poem of, uh, coming out from the psalmist saying, God, I, I don't like where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm asking for your help. And over and over, the psalmist is, 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 is crying out about the season he's in, saying, I can't do this. And it's, it's intermingled with some other, other words that we'll see in a while. It's not just sad. There's also some other stuff he says. But in this moment, Jesus is saying, all right, he's in the, he's in the middle of it. And what I want us to know is when, whenever we're going through a tough time, whenever we're going through a season that's difficult, God can handle our toughest day, and he can handle our toughest questions. So if you're in the middle of something and you have a lot of questions, God can handle what you're in the middle of, and he also can handle all the questions you have. We just need to ask him. And see, a lot of times the problem is we begin to blame others. We begin to, to take the questions to others, and we don't involve God in the process. And I think the lesson that Jesus is modeling for us here is saying, all right, even those moments where you are questioning, don't aim your questions at man. Aim it at God. Um, aim it at God. Uh, Jack Hayford, uh, author of, the, of a book, the, the book called um, How to Live Through a Bad Day, he, said, he said, made this statement like this. He says uh, in this chapter about aiming our questions at God, he says, aim your hard questions at God. You may not get the, right, the answer right then, but you can count on two things. One, your cry will not fall on deaf ears. God's always going to hear you, all right? And two, time will always bring an answer in your best interest, always. I love that statement. It's so full of hope. He's saying, all right, in, in the middle of your season when you have these questions, you're aiming at God. Why, why is this happening? You might not get the answer to your why. And in some cases, you might not even get the answer to your why here on earth. Some, someday you will. But you can't trust this, that God, he has a lot of promises that says if you'll trust him, if you'll continue to seek him, he'll turn around those things that even we think can never be turned around. He'll turn around for good. And, and he'll always bring uh, an answer that's in our best interest, that's for us, for our good, if we'll trust him in those. And it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes it's the season that we have to go through. But if we'll trust him, it'll always, always happen. So what do we do when God doesn't make sense? What do we do when life doesn't make sense? When we're in a dark, a dark season, a dark day? Well, the first thing we do is we need to learn to trust his nature. When things around us don't make sense, we need to remember uh, that God loves us because his nature is love. And we're, we're going to see in, in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, 3, Paul says this, Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Paul is pointing back to the nature of God. He's saying, all right, when you're questioning things, when you're going through things, don't forget our God is a good God. His nature is love. His nature is compassion. Now, the results that we, the things that we face in life, uh, the results of sin, the results of brokenness, the results of people that make poor decisions, right, we have to walk through that. And sometimes it's not even by fault of our own. Sometimes it's our decisions, but sometimes it's not even fault of our own. We're walking through the season with the member that in the middle of that, that's not God's God's doing, but in the middle of it, God can redeem it. God can help us. He's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So we have to trust his nature. And when God doesn't make sense, we need to trust his promises. Uh, so trust his nature, but also trust his promises. Throughout the scripture, over and over, God tells us when we're seeking him, when we're following him, there's all these promises that come with, the, come with what he's asking us. And we see in the, in the scriptures, that, in the Bible, that when people would trust God, even when it wasn't coming about, uh, they would continue to keep their trust in him. Eventually, it would happen. 
And in some stories, if you read the Old Testament, there's some amazing stories how God used some people in amazing ways. Uh, but if you look at their story, it wasn't in one year, two years, three years. In some cases, it wasn't even 10 years. Sometimes it was 40 years and 20 years and 30 years where God's promises, they, they eventually came about. It took a long a season in some cases, but it always came about where God, whatever he said, it happened. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What is the author, what is Paul saying? He's saying that, that whenever God has spoken it, we can trust it's going to happen. And we can trust that it's already been spoken. It's going to, it's going to come about. We just have to hang in there and not give up, continue to aim our questions at God. So trust his nature, trust his promises. And the, the thing when, we're, when God doesn't make sense is we need to trust his final destination. We need to know uh, that he has a better outcome and better plans for us if we will not give up. In fact, Paul uh, tells in Corinthians, he says this in Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, do not lose heart. So Paul um, at some point, he was writing from prison. At some point, he was beaten uh, multiple times to the point of almost death. Uh, one time, he was stoned with rocks, right? They, they stoned him. They left him thinking he was dead. He lived through it. Um, so he went through all of these different challenges in life that I've never faced. I don't think you've ever faced that, that kind of um, challenges. And in the middle of it, he's always writing these, these encouragements of saying, all right, even when we're facing things, right? And this is what he says, don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So Paul's struggles, he, he said he considers them as light and momentary troubles. Uh, when we go through something, he's encouraging us to say, whatever you're facing, they're, they're light and momentary can, compared to what is, is, is waiting for us, right? Because the eternal glory is going to far outweigh all those things that we face on earth. And so he encourages us, says this, so we fix our eyes not as, on what is seen, but on what is unseen. So we don't focus on just the things that's in front of us that we can see. We focus on something that's unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So he's saying we need to have this eternal perspective that we don't miss out on what God is trying to do. Um, our troubles here on earth are momentary when we view them through, through, the, through a, a, um, a perspective or lens of eternity. Right? So when we have an eternal perspective, everything we face on earth is, is going to be minimized because our perspective changes. That it's, a, it's a momentary thing. Yes, it's not going to last forever. It's only going to be a while. Um, and then he says what is unseen is eternal. But there's these things that we don't even grasp or do even know. But God is saying, just trust me and I'll lead you if you'll trust me. Uh, so simply put, we can say it like this. Jesus went through the worst on earth so we could experience God's best in heaven. Jesus went through the worst that you could possibly go through on earth. So that you and I can experience the best in heaven. He made it a way for us to, to know God and find God. Uh, so we can find that. Uh, Isaiah 63, 9 says, In all their suffering, in all their suffering, he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and he carried them through all of the years. Uh, so Isaiah uh, is, is speaking on God's behalf as the prophet. And he's saying, hey, in, in the middle of these, and, and a lot of these prophets are pointing towards Jesus and what he's going to accomplish and do. But in God's love, he's gonna re- he redeems us. He's going to redeem us. And notice the words, he lifted them up and carried them through all the years. Right? So he's, he's saying God is wanting to do something, something amazing. Um, is Trent in here? Trent's not here? Gee, kids. Hey, Shannon, can I use you for a second? I didn't, I didn't prep Shannon for this. This is going to be fun. Um, so we said, in, in the middle of our bad days, we need to trust God, right? We trust him in um, his nature, we trust his promises, and we trust that he has a better destination for us. It's trust. Throughout the scripture, over and over and over, the Bible saying you need to trust, you need to trust, you need to trust. 
Um, so Shannon, I think he trusts me, right? Um, so <laughs> he came up here. He didn't walk out. That's the start. That's true. So Shannon came up here. So um, Shannon, if um, we're going to do a little trust uh, challenge here, all right? Not one of those trust balls. Um, I'm going to try to, I'm going to, I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to walk over these chairs, right? You think you trust me for that? I think we can do it. <laughs> He's got a lot of trust in me. <laughs> I don't trust myself for that, right? Um, so here's what I really call up Shannon for, right? Um, I trust Shannon to carry me more than I, than he could, should trust me to carry him, like physically carry him, right? Um, so, um, I'm going to jump in your arms, if that's all right. Okay. You ready for this? All right, I'm jumping up. <laughs> He's got it. All right. So, Shannon, I'm going to trust you to carry me across the stage, all right? I got my trust in you. I'm not just saying I trust. I'm, I'm literally putting it. All right. Man, look at this guy. He's going. Thanks, man. It's, it's one thing to say we trust somebody. It's another thing to get in their arms. You with me? You can say you trust somebody all day, but until you get in their arms and say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to do what you need to do. We really don't trust. And I think this is the picture that the Bible is trying to show us over and over. Trust with words, it really doesn't mean a lot. But trust with actions, it speaks a whole lot louder, right? And so I trust Shannon to do that. He trusts me in many ways, but I trust him. Thanks. That's all I wanted you to do. So thanks, Shannon. Give him a hand. I read this poem when I was, when I was younger. It was called Footprints in the Sand. And this idea stuck with me that, that even though I don't even know what it, what it says, I know the exact idea of what it meant. There's this poem of this person that says, in the middle of my darkest days, so they're looking back on their life, right? And as they look over, it's like they're on this beach, they're walking down this beach. And as they look back over their life, there's these sets of two footprints, right? There's the person walking and somebody next to them. And then all of a sudden, there'll be one set of footprints. And then two sets of footprints. And this person says, in the middle of my darkest days, I look back over my life and I realize that there's only one set of footprints. And they said, God, how could you leave me when I needed you the most? Where were you when I was walking through that season? I can't believe you abandoned me. And this person's looking over their life and it says, during those moments, it was nice. It was great to have you next to me. But as soon as it got hard, why all of a sudden were you, were you gone? And God says, oh, no, my child, you're mistaken. Those were the seasons that I didn't abandon you, but those were the seasons that I was carrying you. See, when there was only one set of single footprints, it was me holding you up and walking through that season. And I remember reading that poem as a young person. And I remember it, just, it stuck with me. Like, I don't know the words, but I remember the idea is so vivid. I could even see the picture of the footprints in the sand. And the, the, the idea was this, that when we go through something difficult, God doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us. If we'll trust him, like Isaiah says, the, the prophet saying, he's going to lift us up and carry us through those moments. He's not leaving us, but he's carrying us. And Jesus is, is, is saying we need to, um, the Bible, Scripture says we need to trust God even in our bad days. And so here's, here's some, um, I guess, some tools that we can have when we're going through a bad day. And maybe it's hard to trust God, right? Sometimes when you're when a difficult season, you're asking, how do I do this? Um, for me, when I look back uh, a few years ago, I guess now it's almost been 10 years, um, one of, I, I, was, I was preparing for this message. I was trying to think, what are those hardest seasons of my life? What were those dark days? Um, and I remember there was one, it was during when the financial market, all the thing was taking place. We'd bought a house. We couldn't afford the house. The bank that Gave us the, that loan us the money was one of those banks that got taken over. Uh, all that stuff was happening, right? So we couldn't afford it. All the things just kind of, everything just kind of hit the same time. Um, accidents that happened in our cars, different claims. We got dropped. Our insurance went up. Uh, just all these things that took place made it really, really difficult to be um, be able to live financially. 
And so uh, I felt like we felt like we were literally drowning in debt. Like when I say literally like down, you could feel it. Like every day it's just kind of it's happening. It's overtaking you. And because of all these different things, um, and I remember in that season, it was it was for months that we were trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. Um, and I would call and ask, like, to talk to the banks, try to figure out if we can sh- change something. And they're like, no, you're paying your bills. We're not going to help you. And, and so essentially it was like you have to you have to stop everything if you're going to do this. And it's going to hurt you financially, all this. And they, it was just really difficult. And I remember in this season, um, it led up to this moment where uh, it was my daughter's birthday. And uh, we can we can hardly even afford to buy her a cake. So we did a party with, some, with the family. Um, I don't know if we maybe, I don't know if we were able to buy a present or what, but it was just it was. I remember that that day I felt the the pressure was on me the greatest that I ever felt ever, um, and it was it was overwhelming and um, I couldn't I couldn't even breathe at times because of the pressure I felt and I felt like I let my my family down I felt like I let those around me down and I just felt like a failure honestly and in that dark day um, in that dark season it wasn't just a day it was a season it took us a while to get through. Um, I remember there's this this feeling of like, what in the world? And I'm so grateful that uh, I had people around me that were saying, hey, let's not aim our hardest questions at people. Let's aim it at God. Let's seek God. And and in the in the the during that season, um, it was revealed to me by God the things I was supposed to do next. And so when I thought it was all everything was bad, it was really God saying, okay, yeah, you're right. This is not good, but I have something better for you. And I need you to start to look and I need you to start prepare for something different. And in that season, I began to seek God more than ever, and he led us really to eventually to launch the Grove. Um, and if it wasn't for that season, um, I don't know if we'd ever came here uh, because we were comfortable. And it was like the uncomfortable made us actually seek something better and different. Um, and I know in the middle of when we're in those hard times, and as I reflected over my, over my life of the de- bad days, sometimes it was people that, other people that did something that affected me, relationships. A lot of it was relationships. You think back and you think of the hurt and you think of the, the things that were done that hurt others that you love and you care for. And walking into that season, it was really difficult. And I remember reflecting on that. It was, it was um, just, just I'm saying, what do you do when you're in that season? Because when you're in it, you really don't know up and down. It's, it's like you're in a cloud, you're in a fog, and you don't know what to do. And I think Jesus is saying we need, to, we need to learn to point our questions at God and just trust him. He'll get us through it. Even if it feels like you're barely making any, any progress, just keep going. Don't stop. Um, and so when, we're, when we are in that season, we're asking why. Here's a few things that we can do. When you're in a season, you're saying, all right, can I trust God? I don't, this is hard. Even when I don't, don't know um, what's going on, I don't, I don't know. I don't, and on my bad day, I don't know why it's happening. When you're, when you're asking the why, here's a few things you can do. One, you can learn while you're asking why. So if you're in a season like this, you, you, you don't stop. You keep moving, but you, you learn while you're asking why. God's not, he's not offended by your why, but just learn. Uh, Hebrews 5.8 says this, Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. So even Jesus, he was learning through his suffering, through his challenges. He was saying, all right, in my, my bad day, in my whys, I'm going to learn from what God is asking me. Uh, there's a pastor in Montana. His name is Levi Lusco. And uh, he wrote a book called Through the Eyes of a Lion. And uh, it's, it's a story about him, his family. They lost their, their daughter who was, I think, four or five. She had an asthma attack and, and she died. Um, and in this season, it was a very dark season for him. And I remember I'm reading this book. Um, and if you ever know somebody who's going through a season like that, great book to recommend to them. Um, and, and he said in this season um, that, that God was doing something they couldn't even explain. In fact, one of the quotes from Levi says this, that pain is a passport that will take you places that you couldn't have gone there any other way. And he talks about the season of pain, and it didn't end overnight. It didn't go away right away. But in the season of, 
of questioning God, why, why our daughter, why, why, are, why, why are we going through this? Um, they said in those moments they learned more about themselves, about God, about others than they would ever learn. And that moment of pain, that moment of suffering, God was doing something else. Um, and essentially he was saying the pain is going to get us to places that we really wanted to be anyways. And I remember the one, the one thing that in the book that stuck out to me the most when I read this book um, is he said there was a moment where they felt almost bad because every day they felt like they were getting away from their daughter, right? They're, they're, they're like losing the memory a little bit about her. Like they can't quite remember that laugh, right? They can't remember quite, quite little, these little nuances. And he said part of them is saying, God, I don't want to forget. I don't want to this. And, and God reminded him and says, no, every day that you live, you're not getting further away from your daughter. You're actually getting closer to her because she's with me already. And uh, he said that helped him so much because he knew in his dark season, it wasn't the end. There was something greater coming. Um, and as he walked through this, this season, that he's helped a lot of people also because he can relate. He's saying, you don't stop. You keep going. Uh, because the pain you're in, it's actually going to lead you somewhere really good if you allow God to work in that moment. Uh, so we need, we need to say, how, God, help me to keep learning while I go through these moments. Second Corinthians one nine says, in fact, we expected to die. Paul's saying, we were in these tough seasons, and we thought we were going to die. Like, we expected it was over. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely on God who raised the dead. Like, he's saying, I have to remind myself that God is a God of power and strength and might. Like, even in my season, if he raised somebody from the dead, and he raised himself from the dead, there's a lot of power there, right? He has power even over death and over sin. Like, he, he can help us in these seasons. And Paul's saying, in the middle of this, we stopped relying on ourselves and said, all right, God. You got this. I'll, 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 I'll watch you. I'll, I'll, I'll let you carry me. I'll let you work on my behalf. So we need to learn um, uh, to keep, even our, in our toughest times, we can learn that God has something for us. So don't stop learning. Even when you're asking why, that's okay. Just keep learning. Keep seeking God. So one, learn while you're asking why. The second thing is love while you're asking why. Always love. When you're in the middle of a dark season, and this was week two, we talked about making sure you look around, right? Uh, because there's power in in. there's strength and there's ability to help you get through your dark season when you help others through theirs. And so learning to to love while you're asking why is one of the best things you could do. Essentially, you be the answer for others. And in that season, you'll find it. So if you missed that, if you want to know more about that, go listen to week two. That's all about that. Hebrews 13, 6 says, And don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So he's saying don't... Throughout life, like, don't ever stop doing good. Don't ever stop loving. Um, these are the things that God pleases. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of like this idea that um, even when you don't want to, um, even when you feel like you have to, you, you don't have to. But, but if you do, you'll, you'll, you'll break through. You, you just say, God, I'm, I'm going to love on others. I'm going to care for others. Uh, so learn while asking why. Love while you're asking why. And the third thing is this. Worship while you're asking why. Um, and here's the reason, the reason we need to learn in the middle of our season where we're saying, God, why? I don't, know if, I don't know if my family's going to make it through that. I don't know if they're going to overcome that. I don't know if I'm going to get through this. I don't know what's going to go on. This, whatever has me, whatever diagnosis has been given, like I don't know what this season is going to look like. In the middle of that, learn to worship even while you're asking why. Because here's what worship does for us. It changes our perspective. Um, one of the reasons that I've, I've, I've um, been so honored and, and loved having Jamie and Jordan part of our team, because uh, they're gifted in this, uh, with, with, their, with voices and with the ability to lead us in worship, right? Well, that's just one component of worship. But the reason we start our services off, and um, it's been great to, even people have told me about, you know, them leading, they just appreciated their, their heart to lead. Um, the reason we start our service off, because we want to have a change of perspective. We want to be able to see things differently than the previous week. 
So we're going into a new week, right? We start a day off. We start a week off this morning by saying, here's a new week coming. Why don't we start off by saying, God, you're first. Well, singing his songs is only one aspect of worship. It's, and it's one of the most helpful because when you, when you sing and when you praise and when you turn your, when you have something in your day that challenges you to turn your attention away, it's kind of like a quick break from whatever you're, 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 you're thinking about, right? It's hard to sing a song of, of joy or praise or gratitude and be angry at the same time. You with me? So it changes pretty quickly. Uh, but that's just one aspect of worship. Really what worship is, is it's, it's magnifying or, or turning your attention to something. So magnifying, I mean like it's, it's um, when, when you worship something, you're saying there's value there, right? There's, there's a worth there. There's, uh, there's something that we, uh, we, we, we desire in our lives. That's what worship is. And so uh, many people worship different things. And what God is saying is learn to worship him. Because when you worship him, your perspective changes from whatever's going on here to him. And it changes to, to what he's doing. And when you worship something, you're saying, I'm going to focus on that thing. I'm going to give value to that, that thing. I'm going to give value to that person or, or to, to God in this case. And you're saying, um, I turn my attention to you. So whatever's going on here, God, I want to I make you the attention of my focus. I want you to make be the, the, the focus of, uh, of what I'm thinking about, what I'm looking for. Um, there's a psalm. Uh, Psalm 73, one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. Um, Asaph is the writer, and, and, and he says, um, he's talking about, in, in, he's going through a difficult day, right? And he's kind of, um, and it says he's envious of the people around him. So in this dark day, he's comparing himself to others. And he's looking around, he's seeing what other, people's ha- what other people have and what he doesn't. And in this case, it's even people that don't worship God. So it's people that are far from God. People are just doing their own thing. They're evil. They're, 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 they're stealing and it says, like, they have more than I do, as, as the psalmist is saying. And he's so frustrated. And he comes to God, and he says, God, have I been living in vain? Have I been trying to serve you and worship you, give my life for, for, for nothing? Like, I try so hard, and it seems like I'm working so hard, and nothing's happening. And these people, they're not doing anything, and everything is going their way. And he's complaining to God in this song, like, God, how can it be like this? I'm trying, they're, they're just doing whatever, and they, they're succeeding, and I'm not. Like, I'm your child, and I'm trying to follow you, and they're, they're doing their own thing. What's going on here? And there's this turn in the song where he says, until I came into the house of God, the sanctuary of God, and began to worship. And it says, all of a sudden, her perspective changed. And instead of seeing them as successful, he saw what God saw. Yeah, for the moment, it looks like things are going well. But what they're doing is going to create something very negative. It's gonna, he says, like a slippery slope. And before they know it, they're going to be sliding down. Everything's going to come crashing in. And everything that they put their trust in, wealth and fame and all that, it goes away. And he says, and, and essentially God is saying, but because you're faithful and you're, you're doing the right thing, you'll have a reward waiting for you. Like, don't give up just because it's hard. Keep going. And the reason that worship is so important is because the psalmist in 73 is saying, it wasn't until I began to put my attention on God, not on people, that I, I, I saw life for what it really was. And this is the power of worship because we're saying, God, you're more important than my issue. God, you're more important than whatever I'm desiring now. You're more important than whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm facing. That's what worship does. It, it, makes, the, it makes the person of the, uh, who you're focusing on become um, larger than what everything else is going on. And so when we start our services off, it's just not music and songs. It's a way of us saying, God, we want to start our week off by putting our attention on you, making you bigger in our lives. And when we do that, everything else begins to, to be a little smaller. And when we, when we live with this rhythm in our life, not just on a weekly rhythm, that's important, right? Starting Sundays by saying, God, you're first. I put you first. I come. I want to get my attention to my perspective to change. 
But when you have a rhythm in your life of doing that, when you're going through something difficult, instead of just being like, oh, why, 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 if you just pause and say, God, I need your help. Hey, you see, where's, yeah, there's, there's Jordan laughing at my, yeah, my noises. So, God, I need your help, right? You're in this season, and you say, God, I turn my attention to you. I don't know what's going to go on here, but help me. What it does is it minimizes your frustration. It minimizes what's going on. It says, God, I'm going to trust you through this season. And that's what, what, what God has wanted us to do. So in, in Psalm 22, where, where, where Jesus just quotes saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, that psalm, if you read it, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of hurt of going through a dark season. But there's these, these verses and these parts of this psalm where, okay, in the middle of my dark day, something else jumps up. And I think this is part of the message Jesus was sending is not just, hey, here's the quote of God, why have you forsaken me? But every time uh, Jesus would, would, would quote scriptures in the Old Testament, it wasn't always just that one thing he was pointing at. Sometimes he was pointing at the thing before it. Sometimes he was pointing at the thing under, after it that was said. So God is saying there's a bigger picture here. So I'm going to lead you to something. If you will pay attention, you'll learn. And when he's saying, my God, my God, have forsaken me, he's pointing to saying, all right, I'm fulfilling prophecy on this cross, but there's more to this prophecy than just the pain. And if you look at the psalm, it says this, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among the assembly people. Praise the Lord with all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel, for he is not ignorant or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them. He has listened to the cries, to their cries for help. Maybe in the middle of Jesus' dark season, even though he felt the weight of all the sin and all the sickness and all the pressure of being that cross on our behalf, and he was saying, God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe it was a way of him saying, God, I'm going to aim my question at you, not people, because I know that even though I'm struggling now, there's something else going on. And in this psalm, it also says that what he has not turned his back on them, but he's listened to their cries for help. There was purpose in Jesus' pain. And his purpose and the pain that he went through was for our deliverance, for our freedom. And he pushed through that. And when we're in a dark season or a difficult day, the way you're going to live through it is watching for others, but also saying, God, I'm going to aim my hardest questions at you. And then in the middle of that, if I don't even get the answer I want, I'm going to trust you that you're going to have an outcome that's better than I even think. And in my dark season, when I look back over it, there's so much learning that took place. There's so much um, doors that were open that I couldn't open myself that God was saying, Hey, just trust me. Yeah, it feels like you're walking by yourself. There's only one set of footprints right now, but that's because I'm carrying you, not because you're alone. And I look back over those seasons of, of, of difficulty. I realize God is saying, just trust me. I'll get you to a place better than you even thought if you'll just trust me on this journey. Um, so what we worship gets bigger and larger in our lives. It, 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 we turn our attention, our focus to. Um, and here's the thing. Real worship is trusting God even when life doesn't make sense. That's what real worship is. And so if, you're, if you want to know what being a Christian and a Christ follower is, it's saying, even when life doesn't make sense, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to allow you to lead me on this journey. That's what real worship is. Worship is not just singing songs, but it's, it's not just saying, I trust you, God. It's saying, I'm going to get in your arms at this moment because I can't do this on my own. I'm going to let you carry me the rest of the way. So here's my challenge for today. Um, when you're going through a dark season, would you trust him in the dark times? Would you learn would you love and would you worship? In the middle of your dark, dark, challenging days, learn to lift him up. Learn to allow him to carry you. So learn to love and to worship. All right? Awesome. Hey, as we end our service off today, um, I pray that uh, this series is, is helpful to you as it is to me. Um, but I want to give an opportunity for those in this room that 
uh, you're not following Christ. Maybe you're in a dark season and you feel like it's all alone. And you say, man, I don't even know how to let God carry me. I'm going to help you out in a second. Uh, but there's a, a prophecy that was spoken of Jesus. And uh, I want to read it for you because um, it, it was uh, before, he, before he gave his life on the cross throughout scriptures. It keeps pointing at what God is doing. Um, and this is found in Luke. So the, the prophet is a, is a priest named Zechariah. And he's, he's giving this, um, this, this statement about what God is going to accomplish through Jesus, right? And it says, To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. The reason God just died on the cross is so that we can be forgiven of our sins. He paid the punishment. He took the, the payment for us on our behalf, right? And so he's, saying, he's going to give us the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, our sins, because of the tender mercy of God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of of death to guide our feet into the path of peace psalm 23 says the lord is our shepherd and what happens he says even in the darkest valley even when i walk through the valley of the shadow of death what is david saying even in my dark season if i trust god he'll lead me through it because there's better pasture on the other side and even in my dark season he has something better for me this is what's referring to our dark seasons of our soul and the darkness and the shadow of death. It's those moments where we're saying, I don't know what to do. And, and David is telling us, the, the prophets are telling us, there's going to be a light that shines and breaks through that darkness if you'll trust God for it. It'll come in heaven to shine on those in darkness and in the shadow of death. Why or how? To guide our feet into the path of peace. Today, if you're living in the shadow of darkness, if you're far from God and you don't want it, I want to invite you to say, today I want God to lead me and put my feet on that path of peace. And I'll give you an opportunity to pray a prayer. See, our, our relationship with God, um, it's, it's contingent on our hearts being open to saying, God, I can't do this on my own. It's humility. God always embraces the humility of his people. And when we can say, God, I can't do my own, he responds by saying, I know, I can help you. And today, if you're here in this room, uh, maybe you've never been in church, maybe it's the first time, maybe you haven't been here for a long time, but today you want to say, I want to put my trust in God. And I haven't trusted God. I've been doing my own, but today I want to put my trust in God. So being following Christ means is we're letting him lead the way. And if you're here today and you want to have him help you to guide your feet onto that path of peace, it starts out by you being intentional with your life, saying, God, I invite you to lead me. God, I can't do this on my own. The Bible says if we ask God, he'll forgive us and he'll lead us on this journey. Do me a favor. Just you close your eyes and bow your heads as we end our service today? If you're here today and you would like to make that decision to say, God, I want to put my trust in you. God, I want you to lead me on this life. I want to follow your lead. Would you forgive me of my past and give me a new start in life? If that's you and you're here, would you let me know by lifting your hand? I'm not going to call you to the front, just right there in your seat. Awesome. Anybody else? A couple hands. God, I want you to lead me on this path of peace. Awesome. All right, for you that raised your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? And if you're... Christ follow in this room, would you pray with us if we're not praying alone? Say this prayer today. Say, Father God, today I put my trust in you. Would you lead me and would you guide me? I cannot do it on my own. So would you carry me? Would you lead me to that path of peace? God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross in my place, on my behalf, so I could have life. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a new start today. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those that say that prayer. Raise your hand.